What is the value of one? How much does one mean to you? One dollar, one quarter, one nickel, one penny, one soul? Think about your family members, think about your friends and your neighbors. Think about your grandchildren who maybe are on a lost path. What would you give for them to be on the right path? What would you be willing to sacrifice for the sake of that one? That's the question that scripture involves and engages today. In Luke chapter 15, you see that there were tax collectors... And sinners were all gathering to hear Jesus. But the churchgoers, that doesn't say that, it says the Pharisees and teachers of the law, the people that were religious, so to speak, muttered, this man, referring to Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus tells them this passage. And this passage or this parable, so to speak, this story that Jesus used to speak truth, conveys at least two important qualities. And the first thing is this, that God is in the habit and in the business of pursuing the lost. God wants to pursue and go after that which is lost. God does not only just look or search in his pasture. Because the parable tells us that when a shepherd of the sheep determines that one is missing, he's willing to leave his own pasture and go to another pasture, go out to the outer reaches of that pasture, beyond the fence, beyond the horizon, out of the safety and into the deep, into the dark, into the trouble, into the chaos, into the mired up mess in order to seek out the one. God does not only is not only interested in serving the sheep in his pasture. God is not only interested in tending the sheep in his pasture. He doesn't stay in a comfort zone. Therefore, for you and me as the church, we are called to go unto the nations. We are called to boldly take the gospel, to baptize people, to teach people, to hold people accountable. And we have a great, great opportunity to do that. And we take the greatest opportunity of that when we minister to our own. We do. If you look at if you look at most churches today, and you look at most ministries today, most ministries are centered around their own churches. All of our ministries are seeking to minister to the people within the confines, within the parameters of the local church. But I would submit to you that the gospel of Christ. As much as it's interested in the transformation of the churchgoers, as much as it's interested in the commitment and the spiritual maturity so that we move from the milk to the meat of our own spiritual lives, God is just as much interested in going beyond the parameters of the church in order to pursue the lost, to leave this pasture, to leave this comfort zone, to leave this area and venture out into the other domain. God pursues the lost who've gone to graze in other fields. And many of you, let me just ask you, I'll just do a show of hands. How many of you know someone this morning that's grazing in another field? We all do. Every single person, when I ask you for the most part, all of us, if we really think about it, there's someone that we know that is not connected to a Bible-believing community. Some people that we know, and I'm not talking about, it's not about being at First Baptist Church. 
It's not about being a Baptist, not about being a, a Christian church uh, attendee. It's not about being a, a Methodist or Episcopal or Catholic. It's about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's many of us, practically all of us, could name someone this morning that we know is attempting to graze or to go into other fields or is meddling in things they should not be meddling in. And they, for all practical purposes, are outside the domains of church. In other words, they're not going to hear this message. They're not going to receive our postcards. They're not going to receive our newsletter. They're not going to turn their television station onto a channel where the gospel is being presented. And the interesting thing about it is we all know people like that. So ultimately the one that we know when we add them up cumulatively, there are a lot more than one. There are a lot of people out there who are lost. There are a lot of people out there who have lost their way. There are a lot of people out there that are not in the comfort zone of the church. Some of them are on the fringe. They're on the other, other, other boundaries of where the church is and they're outside looking in and there's some in our pasture that are the inside looking out. And the only difference is, is the line. You know about lines, any time that there's a line, a definitive line that we're not supposed to cross, you and I always, 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 usually end up crossing it. So there's lost people all around, there's trouble all around, there's chaos all around, there's problems all around. And God is not someone sitting in the middle of his pasture with a megaphone saying, Come home! Come home! Come home! No, God, according to Luke chapter 15, doesn't care about a megaphone. God, in Luke chapter 15, leaves his post of comfort, leaves his pasture, and seeks out the lost. So I have to ask you, to what extent do we care for the one? To the extent that we care for the one, we share in our ability to leave our post in the comfort zone and confines of the church to go beyond the domain of the church in order to reach a lost and dying world. God does not only search in his pasture, God pursues the lost. He does not seek them out in order to have them or harm them or to scold them. But the Bible says in verses 5 and 6 of this passage, it says, And when he finds it, referring to the sheep, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. God joyfully carries the person who was lost and brings him back home again. Now if you need to see, a, if we need to move away from the sheep venture and you want to see a more biblical example of, uh, of a human being, just read on in Luke chapter 15. Because the next passages uh, in, Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep, also, the parable of the lost coin, and then it ends up with the parable of the lost son, which we know as the prodigal son. The guy that goes out to the utter domain and what his father anticipates his arrival and runs out to meet him, goes after him to meet him, and then we know that he throws this huge feast. So God is interested in pursuing the lost. He's interested in reaching the lost, not to harm them, not to judge them, but to put them on his shoulder and joyfully carry them back home. What if the church would model that principle? 
What if Christians would model that principle? What if the one that you can name today that you know is estranged from the body of Christ, is for all practical purposes estranged from God, what happens if you took that type of mentality with that individual and you pursued them rather than expecting them to come to you? If you would take the gospel to them rather than expecting them to come to you, I think that we would see radical life change. I think that we would see people on mission a lot more. I think people would go into missions a lot more. I think God would absolutely transform our lives and our missional focus. See, because I find it just disheartening that you have some people that are gifted and passionate about missions, and you have others, well... I guess, you know, if our church does missions, that's great. No, our church must do missions because missions is at the heart of what we do. And missions is not in reach. Missions is not reaching our people that are supposed to be here in the first place. Missions is going out beyond the parameters of these doors to people who don't don't care about Christ, who don't care about our way of living, who don't care about our way of uh, our lifestyle, and who for all, uh, all practical purposes could be adamantly opposed to God. And so we go out in order to pursue them. We force ourselves to leave the comforts of what we know in order to reach a lost people. Are we as adamant and passionate about reaching the lost as God is? Most of the church will never venture out to leave their position or to leave their pasture in order to seek out those who are lost. And there's two reasons why, two main reasons that kind of jump out on the page. One would be is because we are fearful. We are fearful from what the world could do to us. We're afraid that we might, we're not strong enough to go out and venture. And you know why we're not strong enough? Because we still are on a baby bottle of Christianity. We still are focused on the small things. We have not advanced in our focus, advanced in our walk with Christ, so that when the enemy rears his ugly head, and he will and he does, we're not able to sustain the winds of the storm, the torrent of the storm, even though, if we look at last week, even though Christ is in the midst of the storm. We can't acknowledge it because we have not grown in our spiritual maturity. And so we're fearful of what might happen to us if we leave the comforts of the church and we leave the comforts of our comfortable Christianity and go out and seek the lost. And then the other is, many of us, many of us, and you need to listen, many of us are satisfied the way we are. We'll think to ourselves, we've been doing church a long time and it's worked for us and we're just fine the way it continues. It should continue just the way it is. And so we're comfortable sitting in our padded pews, coming to worship, dressed up, looking pretty. We're comfortable going to our Sunday school classes, talking about missions, uh, stroking a check here, stroking a check there, offering a nice pious prayer here and a pious prayer there. But I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, God has not called us to sit and worship in the church. God has called us to radically reach the nations. God has called us to go out beyond our comfort zone. And I'm not speaking to you as one who has not gone. I'm speaking to you as one who has gone and one who will continue to go to engage lost people for the sake of the gospel. I was sharing, I was talking with an IMB strategist this week as I plan to hopefully take a trip uh, with some of you uh, in two years to Rwanda. I'm going to do a planning trip uh, hopefully with IMB within the next uh, four to five months. 
And uh, as we go on that trip, the goal is to develop relationships and an opportunity for others of you to come and join us in missions as we seek to advance the gospel in places for all practical ways have been lost to the world. And so these types of things that we engage in, I remember, as I've told you my story of doing missions, that I was called to do missions many years ago. And I thought, well, I'm doing missions. I'm working in a church. How can you get more missional than that? I'm, you know, people are coming to Christ, and, and we're ministering. We're growing them. Uh, God's growing them in Christ. God, they're, they're growing in spiritual maturity. And God said, I want you to go on the mission field. And so I tried to find every sort of way that I couldn't go. So I, I said, you know, enough. I've heard enough of this, God. My wife had aggravated me enough about it because she's always been called to missions. She goes, you know, we need to set up an appointment to go with the IMB. And I was like, okay, that's good. I'll, I'll I work with the International Mission Board, which is a huge conglomerate that we give to. And so I make it a point with the IMB, go meet with the IMB. And uh, basically they said, I'm sorry what you want to do, we don't do. Uh, there's no way for us to really match what you uh, are wanting to do with something that we're doing on the field. So I just kind of, okay, yes, don't have to go now. I've, I've jumped through all the hoops, I've, I've talked to the right people. And so they say it's not possible, so it's not possible. To which God said, why can't you go by yourself? Why do you need to go with the blessing of a mission board? Why do you need to go with their support? You can go to Expedia. You can book a flight. You can book a hotel. And you can talk. You can go minister to the people. I don't know anything about going to Africa. I don't know anything about going to Rwanda. I don't know anything about their culture. I don't even know how to spell the name. In fact, when I put on Facebook I was going to be going to Rwanda, I spelled it R-A-W-A-N-D-A. Not even knowing how to spell the country that I was called to reach. And so I went. And I was scared to death. Why? Because there was no one to call if I got into trouble. I was on my own. I literally went to Expedia, booked the flight, went to the hotel, booked the hotel, showed up and said, okay, what are we going to do? Where, where can I go? Point me somewhere. And then things just fell into place. And I made contacts and we ended up putting up water tanks in a community that had never had clean water, ever. Never had had clean water, never had taken a shower in clean water, never had drank clean water, had drank muddy, parasite-filled water from the beginning of life to the end of life. And we were able to make it a reality and touch and reach lost people. And here's what, we, here's what they would say, why are you doing this? To which I would say, I'm doing it. Because I want you to know how much God, the God that I serve, the person of Jesus Christ, how much he loves you. And he has sent me to leave the comforts of where I am and to come in the midst of this place to share with you the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. That's why I come. They couldn't understand that. You're coming with no strings attached. You're coming. Why are you here? I'm coming because I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. And though you don't know him, he has known you since you before you were ever born. And he has a purpose for your life. I always wondered in high school, why in the world did I take French? Why didn't I take Spanish? But it's because Rwanda was a French-speaking country. And I was able to preach in French and share the gospel of Christ in their language. They come to know 
Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior? To what extent do you value the one? To what extent are you willing to leave the comforts of your air condition, the comforts of your clean water, the comforts of your food, the comforts of your family, the comforts of your home, the comforts and commodities that you have for the sake of reaching the lost? Let me tell you what God was willing to do. God was willing to give it his all. Because we celebrated last week, or we remembered last week, the death of Christ and his resurrection. God gave it all. It cost him everything. And if it doesn't cost us anything, then I'm going to submit to you that the gospel of Christ that we live is not worth it. If we are not willing to die for the cause, if we're not willing to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of the lost, we have misunderstood the gospel in its entirety. To miss it on one notch is to miss it. In its entirety. God has called us to reach the nations. You say, well, what about, what about Iran? What, what, what about Iran? What, what about Sudan? What, what about Syria? Those, those are horrible places and, and there are evil people there. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? There are evil people right here in Elizabethton. There are evil people right here in these United States. But God has not given up on them, nor has he given up on us, nor has he given up on the ones that we would say today, I know someone who is, who is meddling in another pasture. I know someone today who is estranged. I know someone today who is lost. God wants to pursue them, and he wants to use us to reach the nations. That's why we do missions. That's why the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders couldn't understand. What is Jesus doing hanging out with sinners? Because sinners is where the glory of God meets the sin of man and radical transformation takes place. God knows that when you and I engage a sinner, when we engage someone and we're honest and transparent about our lives and they're honest and transparent about their story and we talk about how God can change your life and change your story... That is where missions occurs. Missions exists because sin is alive and well. And there are lost people that need to be touched by the face of God. Are we as adamant and passionate about reaching the lost? We don't do it because we're fearful. We don't do it because we're satisfied. We're fine with our own sheep. We like people that look like us, talk like us, speak like us, act like us, have the same interests as us. But here's the thing. The world is much broader. The world is much bigger than what you and I ever imagined. And I know many of you are cultured individuals. Many of you have traveled around the world. But I'm here to tell you, the world is much bigger than Tennessee. The world is much bigger than the United States. The world is lost. And America is a part of that statistic. America is suffering. America is as lost. Do you realize there are more South Korean missionaries? South Korea sends more missionaries to the United States than any other place in the world. Because here, it's hard to reach people with the gospel. Why? Because there's a Bible in every arm. There's a Bible or three or four on every desk. But here's the problem. They're often not read. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to Nashville, to the capital. I'm, I met with, uh, we'll just say I met with a representative. I'm not going to tell you who I met with. I met with a representative, and I felt like he was a politician feeding me a line. 
See, I know politicians because I can be one, and I can read all between the lines. He was just feeding me this line, and I could tell he was not really wanting to deal with me. And he said, oh, I love the Bible. I have been a God-fearing man all my life, da 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 And then he, he pulls this pristine, beautiful Bible off the shelf, and he says, this good book is what's led me each and every day, to which I replied, you know, you should try to read it sometimes. I probably won't be asked to that representative's office again. But I say that because you, you can say, gosh, that's a bad politician. No, that's the reality. That's the reality for many of us who identify ourselves as Christians. We have the part and we have the book. We have a pretty little book. It's leather bound. It's got like nice little pages in it. We're afraid to write in it because we don't want to add to the Word of God. But we don't read it. We don't let it engage us. We don't devour the word and allow the word to devour us. And yet we are supposed to reach the nations. We need to be reached. And one way that we can be reached and one way that we can be touched and one way that our lives can be radically transformed is when we boldly leave our comforts and we go on mission for the sake of reaching others. Because you, what you will find is the same thing that I found. It was a far more blessing to me to go and try to reach an unreached people as it was for them to be reached. My life was radically transformed by going. You learn about all the blessings that you have versus all the things they don't have. You learn what it's about to trust in God for daily bread. You learn what it's about when you don't have the conveniences of friends and family. When you're alone, you're not alone. You have Him. Jesus, God, is pursuing the lost. He is adamantly and passionately trying to reach people. He's willing to do whatever it takes to go after those individuals. Meanwhile, many of us sit perfectly content. Perfectly content in our own fields with our own friends. Eating our meals together. Having our Bible study. While tens of millions of people are dying as lost as they can be. And, and here's the reality statistic. How many people die every day without Christ? Does anybody know? It's a lot. 172,800 people die every day without Christ. 172,800 people die every day who are lost. 172,800 sheep that are not in this pasture are dying every day without Jesus. That's 7,200 people per hour. That's 120 people per minute. That's two people per second. In our length of time since we started worship, in the last 50 minutes, 6,000 people have died that are lost. And what do we know about lost people? Where do lost people who don't know Christ, where do they go spiritually? What does the Bible say? They go where? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I, I want you. I, can you say that word again? They go to hell. 172,800 people will be separated from God in eternity every single day because you and I want to be comfortable. Because you and I are afraid 
because you and I are scared. Because you and I are not equipped. Because you and I are immature. But thank God that there is a God who created and there is a God who is seeking them out. And God so, 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 so wants you and me to be the one that goes beyond the parameters of the church to reach the lost. If you and I are serious about these numbers, if we're concerned about these numbers, if these numbers move you, and here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, numbers often don't move us because numbers don't have a face. Picture you're one. If your one died today, you may not know whether they're going to heaven or hell, but all, all practical responses, we might say, if they, are, if they die without Christ, we know that they're going to spend eternity in hell. So you think about your one. You've got that face. Is that face not enough for you to challenge yourself to do more? Is that face not enough to challenge yourself to boldly do something greater? And here's the thing. We have these wonderful opportunities in the church. We're going to have an opportunity this afternoon as we have a fellowship luncheon and a, and a, and a, um, and, and a fundraiser. And our attempt is to reach children for Christ. We do that at camp. We do that in vacation Bible school. And that's a great cause. Because we need to touch the lost people that are around us. But there are more than just our children. There are adults in this room who are lost. There are grandchildren in this room who are lost. There are people in this room, maybe you're one of them. You do not know Christ. You do not know Christ. You have not given your life to Christ. You're not living for Him. And you know, you know, you know, you know that if you died going home today, you, for all practical purposes, will be spending eternity in hell. Let me tell you how quick your life can flash before you. I left last night. What time did I leave last night to go to the grocery store? 10 o'clock? Left at 10 o'clock to go to Ingalls. Boop, boop. Right on F Street. Pulled out of my driveway. Dun, 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 dun. Tavi and I go in the grocery store. Pull up the stop sign. Turn, take a right, going towards T.A. Duggar. Stop at the stop sign there at T.A. Duggar, right across from Janice Maupin's house. Teenager, white SUV, does not stop at that stop sign. Rounds the curb, slams into the telephone pole, stops, and then floors it to try to get away. The problem was she had completely destroyed her front end. She couldn't go anywhere. And I was sitting there in shock, to which Tabby says to me, you never know. I mean, if she would have not hit the telephone pole, what I think she did is she rounded the curve, going to swing wide, and then when I showed up, she overcompensated and ran into the pole rather than running into me. She was going pretty fast. You never know. We never know how much time we have. But we better, we better make the most of the time that we have. Reaching the nations, going beyond the parameters of our comfort zone, stepping out of what we know into an unknown. If you say, I don't know a scriptural reference for that, go back to Genesis. Look at Abraham. Abraham said, I want you to leave what you know. I want you to leave the familiar. And I want you to just go and I'll show you where I'm going to plant you. We need faith like that. Because if you and I want to find the lost you and I have to be willing to leave the path of safety. Searching for the lost isn't easy. It's unpredictable. It can be treacherous. 
You'll be in situations and, and things that you never imagined that you would be in. It will require us to go to places and spend time with people that, that we don't normally go. It will require us sometimes to go to people that stink. Literally. You don't get more stinky than a man in Africa that doesn't take a bath but once every six months. It is horrendous. The odor is horrendous. But I'm willing to allow my nose to suffer for the sake of sharing Christ with someone. What are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of sharing Christ? You've got your one. You've got that picture in your mind. What are you going to do to reach them? You're going to say, well, I've been praying for them. I've been praying that God will send someone or a conversation to them so that their life can be transformed. God has sent you into their life. God has put you into their life. It is your job to pursue God, to pursue Christ, and to share the gospel with the people that we know are not in fellowship with Him. It will require us to have uncanny conversations it will require us to boldly ask questions that we might be afraid to ask and to go places that we don't normally go but I wonder how many lost people have been found by God because of our willingness to venture out into a cold world of uncertainty and how many people are still lost because we've not let we've not yet ventured out to reach them. Now last week we talked about the gospel of Christ and how he's in the midst of our storm and he's in the midst of our chaos and how he cares for us. And he does care for you and me as a follower of Jesus. But he cares for the lost so much that the Bible says he's willing to leave 99 righteous people who know him, leave them all behind in order to go after the one. The one is very important. See, we might go out for masses of people. God is willing to leave his post to go after one lost sheep. He's willing to leave the 99 who trust him. Why? Because this is what he knows. If he leaves the 99 who are in full-fledged relationship with him and a wolf comes in the midst of the pasture and kills the 99, the 99 are determined to be in the kingdom of God for eternity. But if the lost one, who's not in fellowship with him, oh, if that wolf happens to get the lost before God gets to his soul, then he will spend eternity or she will spend eternity without him. Do you see the importance of one? Do you see the importance of lost? Thank God someone took interest in lost people and lost children and lost adults so that I could be radically transformed by the grace of Christ. Because just like you at one time, I was the one. Will you pray with me? Well, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, as we, Lord, we can get overwhelmed with statistics of how many people are dying every day without Christ. Almost 173,000. And yet, we're, we're concerned about it. But because it doesn't have a face to it, we're, we're distant from it. But Lord, would you put the face of the individual that, that we know that is, that is lost, that we know is not in right relationship with you, would you put them in our minds in this moment? And Father, would you help us in this invitation simply to commit, not only to praying, but to reaching them. 
Lord, there may be others here today that say, you know, I know that my child, they accepted Christ, but Lord, have mercy. They have ventured far away. They have chosen, they have made a decision to leave the pasture of God, to leave the comforts of God, not in order that they might go and seek the lost, but so that they could enjoy life like how they wanted to enjoy it because they don't see that there's any other way for them. And they don't see that they have a place at the church because they believe that they're so radically different than what the church represents. God, may we not give up on them. And God, may we pursue them. God, help parents not to give up. Help grandparents not to give up. Help siblings not to give up. Help families not to give up. Help our church not to give up on anyone. Because you ultimately want all people restored to you. You ultimately want all people reconciled to you. Lord, today if there's someone here that needs to lay someone else at this altar, this invitation is for them. This invitation is for the one that says, you know, I want to, I feel like God is calling me to do missions. I feel like God is calling me to reach lost people. I feel like God has said to me, I feel like he has shaken me from the very foundations of who I am. And I feel like I cannot be silent anymore. I don't feel like I'm going to be able to rest until I pursue and concede and, and give myself to this calling on my life. Maybe that's someone here today and they say, Todd, I feel like I'm called to reach a people. I don't know who. I don't know how. I don't feel qualified. I've not been to school. I don't have any of these accolades that, that would point in that direction. But I know that God's calling me. If that's your prayer, won't you come today? For others who are here that say, I'm concerned about the 173,000 because I'm one of them. And God has kind of hit me upside the head with a two-by-four today and told me to wake up spiritually. And I've realized that if I was hit by a car like the pastor was almost hit last night, I might enter eternity not spending eternity with him, but spending eternally, eternally separated from the life that's in Christ. That's your prayer. Lord, hear our prayer today. This altar is open for us to respond. This altar is open for us to intercede for other people. As we think about it, the image of that individual is in our mind. May we just lay them at the Father's feet. And may we not lay them at the Father's feet so that we can walk away and dust our hands off. But may we lay them at the Father's feet acknowledging that we are going to commit. We are going to commit to pray. We're going to commit to develop a deeper relationship. We're going to commit to having a conversation to point them to the truth of the gospel of Christ. Before it's too late. Lord, Hear our prayer. May we respond. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, trust in Christ, to lay someone at this altar, to pray for someone, this invitation is your opportunity. You walk up this aisle, they're not going to think that you've got issues. They're going to know that you are praying for someone that you're committing. And here's what I said. I saw tons of hands go up. Say, I know somebody that's lost. I've got that image in my mind. What are you going to do about your one? It's your job to do something about that one. Can you pray for them? Can you commit? Can you commit to a conversation? This is the invitation. God has spoken. Will we respond? Won't you come?